Welcome to the Strong Like Mum podcast. Yay! This podcast is sponsored by Pregnacare. Pregnacare vitamin and mineral supplements provide advanced nutritional support for every stage of pregnancy, before, during and after. They include vitamin D and the exact levels of folic acid as recommended by the UK Department of Health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strong Like Mum podcast. Today I'm joined by Charlie Barker, founder of Bumps and Burpees. Like me, Charlie specialises in pre and postnatal fitness and alongside running a variety of online sessions, uses her online presence to promote safe and effective workouts and a positive pre and postnatal lifestyle. Today, we're combining our expertise to shatter a few stereotypes around prenatal workouts and offer some top tips on how to keep healthy during all the trimesters, based not only on our expertise, but also our own personal experiences as mums. Hi, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited slash nervous about this one because I always think <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those things where... There's so, uh, partly it comes down to people's opinion. Obviously, there are some guidelines, but of course, what we both understand is that when it comes to prenatal fitness and postnatal, but prenatal in particular, it's really down to not just the individual woman, but also that individual pregnancy and maybe even that individual day or week or whatever they're experiencing. Yeah, I was going to say that day because it's so different the whole way through, isn't it? You Every day can give you different symptoms or you feel different. Yeah. You're really right. <laughs> yeah, so it's always really difficult because I want to be as specific as I can be, but um, also being aware that we have to try to make this um make this applicable for everyone so of course we will give our our best advice and and try to give as many adaptations and progressions as we can but just bearing in mind that um as we've just said it's it's unique to every individual woman but hopefully for any listeners who are pregnant right now who want some information on how to train safely in pregnancy this podcast is going to give you all the information that you need so we're going to yes. cover a whole lot of stuff <laughs> um right. i will start just by asking, just, you know, to chat a little bit more about bumps and burpees and, and obviously I'm strong like mum and to talk about that. When we first met, often you can encounter people who are in your industry and people don't really want to collaborate. But there's so much synergy between what we do. When I mm. set up Strong Like Mum, for example, I really wanted to choose a name and a hashtag that expressed my strong belief that mums are already strong. So I chose strong like mum because I thought that it said, look, you know, we're all already strong. It's just being able to access that strength and feeling empower, um, empowered enough to use that full potential that we might need help with. Your hashtag that you use often is this mum can. And that seems to resonate sort of a similar tone and understanding. How did you come up with that hashtag? Well, I think you're so right because um, mum's are already strong and what we're doing is not trying to be like you're all so weak let's strengthen you up so it's it's nice to um to acknowledge that for sure and I think I just saw the this girl can campaign going around you know a couple of years ago um and 
I I just sort of adapted it because I think for me it's so often that women become pregnant and like get really scared of mm. all the things that they can't do and all the things that they're told to avoid and and actually they get they I loved seeing their faces or you know reading their messages when they realized that actually oh my god I could do this amazing thing or I could do so many more things than I thought I could mm. um now that I'm pregnant or now that I've got a baby um and I like to use it as an excuse to to do more rather than do less so rather than saying you know I'm a mum now so I can't do this it's like maybe let's use the um the mum thing as a reason why you should do something so prove it to yourself show your children you know you've still got goals that are for you not necessarily as a mum just as a person so this mum can to me resonated in the in the sense that you know you're a mum, yes, you are a mum, but you can still do anything you want to do. We just need to figure out how. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it kind of leads nicely on to my next question, which was, um, I talk a lot in my work about shattering stereotypes in regard to pre and postnatal fitness, but also just it, motherhood in general. Mm. And for me, what you just mentioned there, you know, is one of the biggest stereotypes is that when you become a mum, you, you, I mean, you just are absorbed with your children and people see you as a mum and nothing else. And actually, of course, our children are our priority and um, being a mother is like an incredible blessing, but it doesn't mean that you can't have personal goals. And I think that's one of those stereotypes surround, you know, if I say to people, oh, actually, I've got work, they're like, you, you're going to work? Don't you have young children? <laughs> um, and I just wondered what you think is one of the biggest stereotypes surrounding pregnancy or prenatal women. Yeah, well, I, that is 100% one of the top ones. And I think actually women put that on themselves as well as other people put it on them. So they think, you know, I used to be a lawyer and now I'm just a mum. And I hear that all the time. I'm just a mum. I, I thought think, you were just telling me you used to be a lawyer. And no, I was like, no, what? No, 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 not me. But I'm saying, you know, a client would say to me, they used to be a lawyer and now they're just a mum. I'm like, hold mm. up. You're not just a mum. And also you're not not a lawyer anymore. You're just maybe not practising right now. And mm -hmm. being a mum is not anything just like it's a huge role, and actually now you're doing two jobs. So yeah. yeah, I think I think women can fall into the traps of categorizing themselves in that sort of just a mum section. Where whereas actually when they think about it, they're doing their job as a mum is never ending. You know that I'm about to find out that <laughs> it's it's from yeah. the second you open your eyes in the morning or maybe in the night, <laughs> to when you go to sleep again. Yeah. So that's that's one you mentioned. Another stereotype, I think, is that you sort of need to wrap yourself up in cotton wool um, in terms of activities. So obviously we're talking about pre- and postnatal fitness today. So that's, that's one that I hear a lot. And actually people say, oh, I used to love doing um, hip workouts or going to spinning, but obviously I'm pregnant now, so I'm just doing yoga. Yeah. And you think, oh, gosh... It's, you're taking away all the things that you love. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something I seem to answer DMs most days about, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant, what am I allowed to do? It's like, well, actually way more than you think you can do. Um, it's more, what are the few things that you shouldn't do? Mm. There's less of those than there are things you can do. Well, and hopefully that's kind of what we can help to clarify today because I think that mm. that's, that's where the confusion sets in. And also, you know, it's it's partly the fact that the expertise and the knowledge isn't always isn't always out there. Um, and then it's also, I think, to do with having the confidence to to really 
um, trust that you can read your own body's signals and understand your own body and to go with that. You know, I mean, the way that I trained in my first two pregnancies is very, very different to the way I am now, this time with the twins. It's completely different. And it's because, you know, and, and I've just really had to listen to my body and scale it back more than I thought I was going to need to this time round. And that's quite hard. Listening to your body, it sounds like such a lame thing to tell people because I say it all the time. I'm like, I know that's not the answer you want to hear. Listen to your body. But your body is telling you exactly what you need to hear. It's just we've, we've spent our whole non-pregnant lives ignoring mm. it because we think oh, I'm really tired today, but I've got to do that workout because, you know, I've got to get in that bikini or whatever the, you know, goal that you have is. And actually, sometimes you don't need to push. And Mm. in pregnancy um, or, you know, in the postnatal period, you do need to listen because no doctor or physio or anyone can tell you as clearly as your body will tell you what's right. But we just need to to open our ears and actually listen to it. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. And it's it's something that I'm having to really learn throughout pregnancy is like, oh, I plan to do this workout today and I really want to do it. Like my brain is really ready, but my body's not feeling it today. And, you know, you think, oh, God, this is so annoying. But actually, if you just take that time, then maybe tomorrow is going to be a better day. And listening to your body it's sort of my disclaimer for everything I tell a pregnant woman who asks me a question. I think, well, this is my advice, (laughs) but you must listen to your body. And they're like, oh God, such a sort of blanket answer. But it it is the right answer for literally every single question. Well, hopefully we can sort of bust some myths now and then help help to set the record straight on a few things give some real expert advice and then women will feel more confident to do that so let's let's get into that part of this chat and let's start to talk about some of the more technical aspects of training during pregnancy so um I just broke down some of my frequently asked questions and I'm sure you've heard these a million times as well (laughs) so I get asked a lot about diastasis recti which um and how dangerous that can be. And in fact, I went, I was um, in the hospital recently and I was having like a trace, you know, where they um, they put the bands around you and they're tracing the heartbeats of the baby and the babies, in my case. And there was a lady in the bed next to me and I heard her speaking to the nurse. She was like, oh, well, you know, I've got um, separation of the abdominals. And so I think that this, you know, might be why I'm lacking to feel baby movement and why I'm feeling this and why I'm feeling that. And in my head, I thought, oh, if only I could like pull back the curtain and be like, okay, right, let me just talk to you about this (laughs) because I think we can really set the record straight. So let's start with that, that. What is diastasis recti and how dangerous can it be? Well, it's re- there's a lot of scaremongering out there and it's sort of become like a bit of a buzzword and I don't blame that lady for being frightened of it because there's so many sort of articles and blog posts and things that put the fear of God into women about that. Um, but basically what, what a diastasis is, is um, a separation of the abdominal muscles. Um, so your rectus abdominis, the, the ones on the outside, it has to stretch apart for the baby to fit in there while it's growing. 100% of women in their pregnancy have this. So it's not something that you might get. It absolutely has to happen because otherwise your baby hasn't got room to grow. So it's definitely not something to be afraid of because it's inevitable. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of um, articles sort of fail to mention that it's not something that might happen. It, it is a part of the pregnancy. So, you know, around 35 weeks in a 
in a normal, non-complicated, non-twin or triplet pregnancy, it would, <laughs> it would start to separate maybe earlier if you've got twins in there. Um, and you might not even feel it. So I had a lot of women say to me, oh my God, does it hurt? And I think, oh, you poor thing. You're just dreading this like rip of your muscles. You don't feel it. Or, you know, you may feel it if you're very in tune with your body, but it's not, not something that happens overnight. And basically what what is holding the two sort of sides of muscle together is some layers of tissue and they obviously get thinner and thinner as they stretch wider apart so the part that we always talk about to try and protect your core and to try and you know prevent it from from stretching too much is because that tissue is very thin and it's not that you know it's not that strong the thinner it gets so it's more that it can't take a lot of tension the wider it gets so women might have heard of you know, look out for doming or coning or bulging. So if, if, if you don't know what that is, if anyone's listening and they think, oh God, I keep hearing them talking about it. It's basically, if you look down at your tummy and you're doing an exercise and you see it sort of, I always refer to it like a little Toblerone shape, a little pointy shape all the way down the middle of your stomach, or it might just be in one part. That's just your body's sign to you saying, hang on, this, this exercise is a bit too much for me. You know, I can't, I can't take I can't take the pressure in the core. And so that's, don't panic. So it's not like, oh my God, I've done this damage. It's just your body saying, oh, that's a bit hard. So you bring it back, you adapt the exercise, or you may even decide to, decide to skip that exercise for the day. But it's not dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. You can help to um, increase the tension in your abdominals by using your breath. So um, you might hear on tons of postnatal, pre and postnatal classes, including mine, I'm sure people get so bored of hearing me say it, but to use your breath, you know, so as you're about to do something quite, the, the effort part of mm-hmm. the exercise, to breathe out and engage your core, and that actually might stop your your core from doming. It might not, but if it if it does, then that's great. Then maybe you need to just slow down and, and incorporate your breath. I think it's also worth mentioning that your abdominals come in four layers. You know, you've got the the deep abdominals, so the transverse abdominals, which is almost like a, a wrap around your core. Then you've got the internal obliques, the external obliques, and then the re- rectus abdominis. And it's that outer layer, as you were saying at the beginning, that um, that separates via the linear alba down the midline that stretches out as the bump grows. So um, A, as you've said, there's no actual ripping of any abdominal muscles but also that in terms of core work it's not just you know there seems to be this obsession in particular postnatally there seems to be this obsession about the gap and the gap and the gap and whilst of course that is a way to measure diastasis recti I think it's also important that we realize that there's a lot that can be done in the surrounding muscles about supporting and increasing tension and and transferring load in the surrounding muscles. Yeah, absolutely. So that you can still have a really efficient core, even the, um, I, postnatally, I'm now speaking again postnatally when, when you're going through that recovery process. It's not just about bringing this gap together. Um, I think anything under a two centimetre gap is it can be considered functional. So you can still, I mean, I always, ever since my first pregnancy, I had a one finger gap that just was there. Yeah. But I managed to train the rest of my core in order to support that. So I still had a really efficient core and, you know, could go running and do all sorts of exercise and avoid injury and backache and all sorts of things. But I think it's important to mention that it's not just about 
this separation of these ab- abdominal muscles. No, definitely. And the physio, um, the physios are now talking more about, yes, you've got a gap, but what is going on in that gap? You know, is it really soft and there's nothing going on in there? In which case we really do need to work on sort of building up that strength. Or is it actually very tight, uh, you know, got great tension and you can keep, keep hold of the tension during an exercise? In which case, like you said, it can be a very functional diastasis. So it may not all the way completely close back. And loads of people have a diastasis before pregnancy. They just, they just haven't really been aware of it or looked at it. Um, so it's something that I'd love women to be aware of the fact that it definitely happens in pregnancy. That's a given. Um, and then it definitely does some of its own healing on its own. So that's why we say don't rush back into doing you know, your crunches and, and your really, really heavy weights until your body's had time to recover and you've had time to build, like you said, those deeper layers of core. Um, but going into things too fast and using the outer layer of your core before you've restored the deeper layer of your core um, can, just, can just do you more harm. So I'd always say, if you can, try to go see a physio, just even for one appointment so they can point you in the right direction. And um, yeah, don't be afraid of it. It definitely happens. But there's loads we can do. Um, I think what's worth mentioning as well, um, for during pregnancy, I am starting to find that positions like the four-point kneeling position, which up until now has been... So uh, that's, you know, the box position when you're on your hands and your knees to, to perform any exercises there. That's never been a problem up until now. And I can still maintain it for a short period of time. But if you feel that that's putting a lot of pressure on the front of your belly then that might be something that you want to avoid so I'm now doing a lot more exercise either standing sitting or using like an elevated position and doing my exercises that way um I also I mean I've I've always lifted weights but the further along I get just because I'm really noticing that pressure now that Mm -hmm. my bump has got that big that anything that really strains, and this can be anything from lifting super heavy to constipation. So I'm not saying don't lift anything. Of course you want to lift, but anything that's going to cause you to really strain is something that you might want to um, uh, just avoid or or scale back, certainly in that, in the third trimester and, and, uh, you know, when, when you feel you need to. So that would kind of be my advice for women in pregnancy who are concerned about that, just to not exacerbate the issue. Yeah, because it doesn't need to be that you, you're seeing a do- oops, sorry, seeing a doming position um, in your stomach. It could be that you just feel the pressure and actually you're like, oh, that's quite a lot on my core. Then listen to that and maybe think, oh, you know, especially you've got two babies in there. Could be that one of them is lying on your bladder, like you said just before we started. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't feel comfortable. And I, you know, I I only have one baby and I feel that sometimes I'm like, oh. So basically we both need to wee all the time is what we can summarise from this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so next next question. Again, I'm asked this all the time, and it might be more of a postnatal question, but actually I'm asked it a lot by pregnant women who are coming to the end of their pregnancy who want to prepare. And I get asked a lot about, does exercise negatively impact breast milk supply? So I'm asked that all the time. Um, I don't know if you want to take the lead on this again, if you want to start. Well, and... I could take the lead on um, on 
what I've experienced with clients, but mm -hmm. I have yet to experience it myself. So maybe that's where you can jump in. But I have had a mixture. So I've had some clients who absolutely notice no difference whatsoever from exercising. Mm -hmm. um, but then I have had one or two who actually, they really needed to scale back in those early weeks because they've noticed that on the days that they exercise, their breast milk just doesn't come in as much as they'd like it to or the baby needs it to. And the first thing I would always address with them is um, hydration. So obviously when you're breastfeeding, you need to be fueling your body with many more um, calories and water, much more than you ever thought you needed. Because I think I've heard from a lot of women how thirsty they get. Um, so you need to be filling yourself with loads of water, keeping hydrated. And then if you're exercising on top of that, that's even more. So it's really, really common for women to be dehydrated anyway. And if you're going to add exercise on top, you've really got to be mindful of that. Did you experience that? So, so for me, um, based on like my experience and my expertise would say that exercise alone is not necessarily going to be the cause. So again, like mm. you, I would be looking at things like your nutrition, at your hydration, and even things like your support that you're wearing when you're exercising. So things like that would be really important if you're choosing to breastfeed and exercise. In terms of does exercise impact breast milk supply, the supply is not necessarily impacted. That, From my experience, I've never experienced that. I've not met a client who's experienced that. However... It's not very common. I don't think it's very common. And like you said, I don't think it's exercise alone. It's, it, no, that's a factor in it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think um, what, but what can happen or what is known is that the content of the milk can be altered. So some women choose to express and then exercise so that they've expressed some, they have it in a bottle, they exercise. And the general sort of understanding is that any changes in the content of the breast milk, A, none of it is harmful to the baby, um, and B, that it will replenish itself within 90 minutes. So we're talking like, and that's that's with high intensity exercise. So if you're going for a run or a jog, let's say. Um, the, the way that the content of breast milk is impacted is, A, there's an increase in lactic acid if you're doing higher intensity exercise. So that's one, there's a slight increase in that. Again, it's not harmful to the baby, but that is it. That is something that it shifts. And there's also a decrease in the level of IgA levels, which, and again, I'm not a scientist, so I can't speak to you about the specific scientific measures, <laughs> but it's, um, it's all to do with kind of immunity um, and that that passes on to the baby through breast milk. And there's a slight decrease in that. But again, for one feed, A, it replenishes within 90 minutes. And there's again, there's no harmful effects to the baby. So you, that is one thing that you should be aware of if you want to express before you exercise. A, it can be much more comfortable anyway. But B, you then have that 90 minutes to then feed your baby. But that's my understanding and my experience is that the content has a slight shift but in terms of supply, exercise alone is not going to be the cause, but something like hydration, nutrition, you know, making sure that you fuel yourself before you exercise, not exercising fasted, all of those types of things, they really can impact breast milk supply. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. OK, next question. Can you lift weights overhead during pregnancy? The debates I've heard and had about this topic are endless. So <laughs> what's your take on that? Can you lift weights overhead during pregnancy? 
Well, so how I, I um, like to train women in pregnancy is in a functional way for what they need in their life. So, you know, like your hashtag, strong like mum, you need to try and be strong to be a mum, mm-hmm. you know, to do the things that mum needs to do. And often that is lifting things overhead. You're lifting your toddlers up, you're, you are um, putting things in cupboards and all these things. So for me, um, the way I train women is that you can't avoid lifting overhead. So I do lift overhead what I make sure I tell women is that it's not the time for lifting a really really heavy weight for like a one rep max lift over your mm-hmm. head so that you feel dizzy and you see stars you know you see people in the gym who are training and they they lift the bar above the head and then they go red in the face and they drop it down and then they have to sit down because they're <laughs> so dizzy that's that's the kind of thing we don't want because your blood pressure is a bit different while you're pregnant and mm-hmm. you can feel dizzier so I've noticed that if I um I'm not feeling feeling great on a day, like I haven't eaten enough or something, and I do something overhead, I can feel a bit dizzy, and that's what you want to avoid. But yeah. lifting overhead in itself is, is not dangerous. And actually, I try to say to clients, if you can aim to do about 8 to 10 reps of this overhead movement comfortably and by the end you know your arms might be burning but you don't feel like you're gonna be sick (laughs) then that's then that's fine and actually we can't avoid these movements in everyday life so we might as well build our bodies up to be able to do them but there are a lot of people who um, come to me they're frightened of it because back back in the old textbooks that you know people were reading it says do not lift overhead and I think it's because of blood pressure um that this was written but actually as we always say you listen to your body now is not the time to be doing sort of one or two reps of a of a weight anyway um but you can lift overhead what do you think yeah so really similar i think functional training as you say it's super important to train for everyday life things that we're doing all the time i've got two children i have to put my youngest in his booster seat and strap them into car seats and all things so it's not realistic that i'm never going to be lifting Um, I think that what's really important, A, as you mentioned, being aware of how you're feeling. So if it makes you feel dizzy, you don't want to be, in general, actually, in pregnancy, I would strongly advise avoiding exercising to exhaustion. So what you said there, you're red in the face, you're exhausted, like, oh gosh, I couldn't possibly do any more. You want to kind of avoid getting to that place. So I generally sort of the the highest intensity I'd ever exercise at is maybe like 60 maximum, maybe 70% in the earlier trimesters of my, of sort of my 100% capacity at that time. So my 100% yeah. at, at 12 weeks pregnant is going to be different to 24 weeks, going to be different to 34 weeks. So whatever that 100% is, I never go near that marker when I'm exercising. Yes, blood pressure, as you say, that that is something that um, people have considered in the past. I also think that when you're lifting overhead, it inevitably puts extra load through your core. And what's important is that you can maintain a good posture. So you don't want to do anything mm-hmm. that's going to exacerbate that arch in your lower back and, um, you know, really get, again, we, that word straining comes up. That's something we want to really avoid. Um, and yeah. again, your prenatal fitness level really comes into play here so if you've never lifted weights before pregnancy isn't necessarily the time to be like right now I'm going to start doing overhead shoulder press yes you absolutely still can train your way up to that during pregnancy if you're working with someone who knows what they're doing in terms of your posture and your core stability 
absolutely that's something you can do i wouldn't lift too heavy overhead exactly but again if you're really used to training with weights then in particular in those earlier trimesters it might be something you're comfortable with I've trained with weights overhead during this pregnancy, but again, now at this point, I'm, I, as I said, I'm 31 weeks. I feel like I'm 38 weeks pregnant. I feel exhausted <laughs> and just everything is, you know, taking, taking its toll a lot quicker. So I'm not exercising over, I'm not pushing weights overhead as much. And if I am, I'm now choosing to sit in order to do it because it's just something that makes me feel more comfortable so yeah I absolutely lift weights overhead in pregnancy and I've trained my clients to do that as you said it's part of everyday life it can't be avoided but um, just being aware of how much you're lifting and the repetitions and making sure that uh, you're not exercising to that max capacity I think that's probably my most important points in terms of lifting weights overhead but I would I absolutely yeah and do actually it. I, I think as with it with the whole lifting weights in general um it's it's lifting weights that are within your range so i cannot tell you i can almost guarantee every single post of a workout i i upload to instagram i will always get one person saying how heavy are those weights and my answer every single time is lift which weights work for you because it doesn't matter what i'm lifting or what you're lifting it's because you need to learn what works for you. And, you know, the other question I always get is like, oh, I wish you'd post more core workouts. And actually lifting a weight overhead is a core workout. Yeah. And especially when your core is slightly compromised because there's babies, you know, stretching it apart a little bit, you need, you, you need to be more aware of it than ever. And actually most workouts that we do in pregnancy involve our core. Yeah. It's not that, you know, somebody asked me the other day, can you do a live workout core focused only? And I was like, well, because I would never ever recommend a woman to do a core focused half an hour workout yeah just you know ever really but in pregnancy definitely not um and actually every workout that every exercise that we do involves the core so yeah lifting overhead is not just about your arm strength and it you know it, it does put pressure on the core and if you feel like you're straining to lift a weight four or five reps then it's too heavy yeah absolutely could, could not agree more okay next question can you run during pregnancy so I have that a lot personally as a runner myself um I yes I mean the the very basic answer would be yes you can run in pregnancy however it's going to depend on your pregnancy and on you so if you're already an experienced runner then running is considered safe during pregnancy However, I'm an experienced runner. I ran during my first two pregnancies up until, I don't know, a few weeks before um, my due date or I gave birth. So, you know, up until anything, five, six weeks before my due date, I was running. But this time I'm pregnant with twins. I went, I tried to go for one jog after the first trimester where morning sickness was intense. I tried to go for one jog. It took me 25 minutes to run 1K. Okay, <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. I put my Strava on and I was like, I wonder where I'm at. Like, I've been really sick for the last three months. I wonder where I'm at. And I stepped down. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, I, I'm, I'm not, this is not for me. And I, and I haven't run since because actually it was not something that I felt comfortable doing. It didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel good. It didn't make me feel positive physically or mentally. So it is going to depend on your individual pregnancy. I would say if you're doing any type of, running um, and if impact isn't a problem for you and that's something you can sustain through pregnancy it's really important that you also factor in some 
core, some deep core exercises. I would also say again, making sure you stay hydrated and have the um, correct nutrients. That is super important. Choosing flat roots, and this sounds ridiculous, but roots that are near a toilet mm, because yeah. you do not want to be caught out anywhere. I mean, if there's a tree and you feel free, then off you go and that's fine. But, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily advise running through woodlands if the if the um, track that you're running on is going to have bumps and dips and all sorts of things. So I'd always choose a route that is um, safer and, and more consistent in terms of its surface. But generally, yes, you can absolutely run during pregnancy. And as I said, I did with both of mine. I don't know, Charlie, how you feel. So interesting because I'm coming at this from not being a runner. I've never really been, I've dabbled in and out of it. And actually I prefer to, um, coming from a gymnastics background, I like to go all out sprints. I do backflips. Yeah, no, exactly. I just do backflips. But I, I'm not an endurance person at all. So for me, I prefer to do like 20 minutes of sprints and then stop. So going for a jog has not been something I've definitely done. So actually, I haven't run in this pregnancy. And occasionally when I've tried to sort of do, you know, little little shuttle runs in my garden or something like that, it doesn't feel comfortable for me. So even though I've got a single pregnancy, the bump has been generally not that big. Um, I do feel the heaviness down in my sort of pelvic girdle area and actually for me it didn't feel comfortable so I didn't run at all in this pregnancy um not because it was dangerous or I was told not to it just didn't feel right and so from the beginning I thought okay well I'm going to do um, my cardio mm-hmm. in a different way so I was using um a bike and doing things like that so for me mm-hmm. I didn't but what I get asked a lot from women is um is it is it going to cause a miscarriage you know is it dangerous for the baby and I think it, it, it really depends on how um, used to running your body is. But generally, running is not going to cause a miscarriage um, unless your doctor um, has told you specifically, for you, I don't want you to do any running in your, the early stages of your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I would also say that when it comes to sprint training, there's a lot more force, a lot more impact that, that when you're pounding at such a fast pace, you really push through the floor to achieve that speed. Um, that's definitely something that I start. Also, you're working to your 100% capacity that like we were just talking about yeah, before. Exactly. With sprinting, you're much more likely to get yourself completely out of breath and gasping for air by the end of your sprint. And that's what I would avoid. Yeah, exactly. So, so sprinting is not something I would advise. I'm referring to endurance running with everything I was saying before. Um, and again, that working to that sort of 60-70%. I was not jogging at the speed. I would, with my 1K in 25 minutes, quite clearly not. <laughs> like walking with a bit of a bounce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you said, the answer is yes, you can run in pregnancy. It's not dangerous most of the time. But... It may not work for you. It may not be very good for your joints um, if they're not used to that impact. So if that's you, then don't push through it. Um, okay, so next next question. Again, I'm asked this all the time. How do hormones and other physical changes play a role in affecting exercise or energy levels during pregnancy? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because everybody's very different. As in, some people really get affected by the hormones. You know, they get morning sickness terribly, um, oh, uh, and and they really notice their body changing. Yeah. Um, for me, I actually have got some benefits from some of the hormones. So I, 
have always had a really, really tight upper back and neck and I would get muscle spasms quite often um, in the last couple of years anyway. And in pregnancy, um, the muscle, the relaxing hormone that sort of relaxes those ligaments has helped me no end because my back is able to relax. So that for me, I'm like, thank you, hormones. But um, it also, one of my um, friends is pregnant and she has hypermobility. So for her, the other day, she bent down to pet a dog and when she stood up her knee locked because her knee went out of place and um those the hormones can actually end up making you more flexible in a bad way if you see what I mean so your joints are less stable (laughs) so for anyone who might not know the hormone relaxin is produced around two weeks after conception and it continues throughout pregnancy and then roughly up until about five months postpartum, and if you're breastfeeding, it'll be roughly five months after you finish breastfeeding that it's that you have these elevated levels of relaxin in your body. And um, the role of this hormone, like you were just saying there, Charlie, the role is to loosen the ligaments in and around the pelvis to prepare for labour, but it can't just be isolated to one area. So as you were saying there, all ligaments throughout and joints throughout your body can become can become compromised um and and it can so we have to be really careful that we're not overstretching a joint or if you're if you're lifting a weight that you're not pushing too heavy you know to to reduce the risk of injury really as you're saying there with your friend so amazing that you felt benefits of it but that that's probably one of the key hormones that you need to be aware of when you're exercising yeah and it doesn't mean that you can't stretch. It just means you want to go into a stretch nice and gently and not overdo it. And, you know, for example, um, going to full range of motion on a lift. So if you are pressing overhead, you're doing a shoulder press, make sure not to let your shoulders go back too far because, you know, everything's a little looser. And it, and it also comes back to running. Sometimes that's why people find that their hips or their knees might get a bit sore because they're not that stable so actually we can we can counteract that by um by working on strength strengthening the muscles around the joints to make sure that we're we're giving them the best possible chance they can to um to stay strong I think there's also um I think it's again one of those times where you have to listen to your own body like this pregnancy I was diagnosed with prenatal anemia fairly early on which is I think can be very common in multiple birth pregnancies and I'd never experienced that before and I was the tiredness I can't it wasn't it wasn't even tiredness it it felt like having like I don't know it was pure deep exhaustion I could not keep my eyes open I went for my 20-week check and they did a blood test and they said okay right yeah you've got prenatal anemia and they provided me with iron tablets and it's made the world of difference. But again, listening to your body, I needed rest. And still now I'm taking the iron tablets and the iron levels have gone up and, and it's, you know, it's it's all moving in the right direction. But I really needed extra rest for my body. And so I think there's things like that that can crop up that your medical team can help you with in identifying and they'll, you know, they'll there'll be lots of different pathways in the NHS to help you cope with anything like that but it's it's listening to your body so before I had that diagnosis I was resting I was resting as much as I could and um you know getting getting as much nutrition as I could in terms of morning sickness speaking as someone who has really 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 struggled with that every single pregnancy to the point of just really not knowing if I could get through those days it was it was so horrific um I would say 
it go like I just went into survival mode. Any anything that everyone would be like, oh yeah, just drop some ginger biscuits. I was like, f off! I hate ginger biscuits. <laughs> like you know, um, and so just just going into survival mode of what works for you. I certainly was not exercising. The most I would do, I would get up, I would walk to the toilet and I'd walk back to bed and I was like, okay, I've got up today. Oh, and that's, gosh. That's and actually, that's another thing that I get messaged about a lot. Pe- women asking me for tips on how to push through morning sickness. And my, my answer always is like, don't mm. push through morning sickness. If you're feeling that unwell that you're messaging me for tips, um, don't push through any sort of workout that's that's going to make you feel awful. If you want to do some movement and you feel like you can, try something very low impact. Go for some fresh air outside and build it up that way. But um, if yeah. you are, you know, you're so desperate to get back to your hip workouts or whatever it is, but you're feeling really sick, it's just not the time. And your body is doing so much, um, and that's what that's why you're feeling so awful. The best advice, as you just said there, you know, for me, the things that made me cope were all natural things. So sitting outside, just A, fresh air, B, the sun, you know, things like that, really small things made the world a difference. When I finally felt like I could, I would walk around my garden yeah. once, maybe twice, and then I'd be, go back to bed. I always had the window open, um, cold water. A big thing for me um, in terms of morning sickness is the mental pressure for me like it became depressing I was in a really depressed place because I just felt like I wasn't capable of so many things and to feel to feel that sick for that long you know it's it's not it's not like a hangover where it's a day maybe two and you're like oh okay I feel like I could eat a burger now it's like oh just the weeks and so I'm listening to um mindfulness audios or meditations or even like listening to some good podcasts or something like that, you know, that was a great distraction. I didn't want to look at a screen and watch a TV series, but things like that, you know, really began to help and lift me out of your mood. And then somewhere deep, 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 deep down, deep in the depths, knowing that it doesn't last forever. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If you're as bad as that and that you can't even look at a screen, exercise should just be off the cards. Just take away that guilt. Don't even plan it into your week. And just know that at some point you you hopefully be able to exercise again in your pregnancy, and when you come to that point, you can start dressing it again. Yeah. Um. Okay. So last question because we could talk for ever and ever. It seems. Um. Last question. What are the best exercises to prepare for labour? Um. I guess you know without going into detail of specific one-on-one exercises, which both our platforms are full of those types of um, exercises and information. I would say deep core work, deep core breath work, super important. Um, Being sure, especially when you're preparing for labour, that you not only um, strengthen your pelvic floor, but that you learn to relax and and work on some exercises to stretch as well. Um, Because, you know, labour and birth is not just about squeezing your pelvic floor. Um, anything to do with squats, glutes, you know, glute, glute work, because holding some pregnancy positions, I, I'm, I'm about to say labor doesn't just happen lying on your back. You know, there's loads of great positions that can be used. But for me, I had the epidural both times. So I was lying on my back. So, so I can't really claim that, That's but I think you can't, pre- you can't prepare. And actually what I was going to say is that, um, be, like you said, it's not all about the squeezes. You 
you don't want to be too tight in your pelvic floor. You need to be able to down train it and relax it. And that's something that I'm, I'm probably struggling more than I thought I would because actually I'm used to just being like squeezing everything all the time. Coming, um, growing up in gymnastics, we were just told to stand as tight as we could all the time, squeeze everything, don't relax. And that's something that I'm having to really learn about because the last thing you want to do is get into um, a hospital or wherever you're having your baby and everything be too tight. So squats are fantastic for the form, but when you get to the yeah. end of pregnancy, I wouldn't advise going for really heavy squats because actually, first of all, you want to take a bit of pressure off your pelvis. And the last thing you want to do is go into labor and have DOMS, have aching muscles, because you need to be able, you might, you might need to give birth in a squat position. And if you can't hold it because you're tired, I would say, you know, in the last few weeks of pregnancy, use those positions to, to work your body through, but don't, don't start hammering yourself through really heavy strength sessions. Yep. So really what you're trying to think of, what, what is my goal? My goal is to like, you know, let the pelvis open up a little bit and um, let everything stretch out. But the other thing I was going to say when you said what helps with labor is, um, is that mental strength. So, you know, knowing that a contraction is a contraction and it's, you know, it, it might feel horrible at the time, but it ends. And when it ends, you have that breathing time to sort of move position or, or breathe or have some water or whatever you need to do to get ready to go again. So what I often think is when I'm doing my live workouts and I do each exercise for 45 seconds, I kind of think e- even if you slow down, try not to stop in those 45 seconds because it's that mental mindset of knowing it's nearly about to end. I can do it. I know I'm strong enough. I can do it. And then when it ends, I can breathe, I can rest, I can move around, and then I can start again. Yeah. And I think that is something that's as important as your physical strength. Just thinking, my body is amazing and it can do this. Yeah, I think, like I said, I mean, mental, mental preparation is just as important as physical. And being being really aware that having a birth plan is great, but also being able to feel calm and relaxed enough to go with the flow trust in your body and go with the process um whether or not you're having a cesarean or not you still need to trust in your body and use your breath and use your mental strength to really um prepare that's that's definitely important and also trust your body that your body knows how to birth a baby you're just the vessel it's in and and you know you have to sort of allow it to do what it knows how to do um yeah absolutely yeah anyway these are all advice I give people and I'm like gosh I hope I can take my own advice when I get when I get there <laughs> exactly well back. do you know what I I'm this, the same and I've, I've been through labor twice now and there's so much that you can do in the first stage of labor is is you know a really great time to use those techniques and then in the second stage of labor it can be so different again not just for each woman but for each pregnancy each labor you just like your animal instincts kick in and you're not thinking about squats you're not thinking about well I certainly wasn't thinking about mindfulness meditations you just go into sort of your animal instinct mode which is an incredible place to access but there can be challenges there can be difficulties but again hopefully for me what makes me so passionate about exercise is that I feel empowered and strong as as a woman and you know just as as a person and hopefully it's it's that that core sort of belief and strength that will that will get you through um that moment and then you then you get to meet your your children which is amazing 
Um, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we end, I just ask everyone to share their Strong Like Mum moments. So um, a time during parenting or pregnancy where you overcame a struggle or were inspired by a friend or a family member overcoming something challenging. So it can be you or it can be a family member or friend. Oh, gosh, there's so there's so many. So working with mums, you know, every day for the last 10 or so years, I I see mums overcome so many things. And actually, well, for me personally, it was last year, I was very open about it, but I had um, uh, back-to-back miscarriages. And it was like one of those years where I just thought, I want the world to swallow me up. This is just awful. And actually being able to get through this pregnancy so far with, um, with, you know, the anxiety and the the worries of what comes, you know, what what will happen will happen and will it happen again, et cetera, et cetera. And actually knowing that just by day by day, just getting on and trying to be as strong as I can, it it's just proved to me that the body is amazing, the mind is even more amazing. Um Mm. and that you can get through stuff and watching my body just grow like this has been fascinating honestly there's been days where I'm like oh my god this is so hard but yeah waking up every day being like look what is what is going on this is mad I'm, I'm literally doing nothing here and my body is growing <laughs> a baby I just think it's it's really empowered me um and it's been interesting going through it um as well as teaching other women to, through it you know before and it's I never get bored of seeing pregnant women growing. I just think it's incredible. And I think after having this baby, I'm just going to be like, throw me another challenge. Go on then, I can do anything. <laughs> because I think if you can get through this, I don't know what else you can't get through. So it's a very generic answer, but um, I've really enjoyed experiencing that empowered feeling myself. That That is actually not a generic answer at all. It's um, it's actually really inspiring to listen to and, and amazing that you you feel so empowered through the process well obviously there's days where I'm like oh my god this is so hard you know so don't get me wrong I'm not going through every day feeling like Hercules (laughs) but generally I feel so privileged to be able to go through this process and um and witness my body doing this I just think it yeah it's mind-blowing honestly I could talk to you for for hours more I mean this is this is the (laughs) longest podcast I've recorded so far but I've enjoyed every minute um thank you so much for your time I I really appreciate you sharing not just your time but your expertise and and the fact that we um you know work in the same industry and can support each other I think is just um amazing so thank you so much for being a part of it you're welcome thanks for having me and it's nice it's nice to um you know not compete against each other in the same industry we just help each other it's so nice yeah exactly it's so it's so nice we're so nice (laughs) but thank you so much no worries thanks for having me this podcast was sponsored by Pregnacare expert nutritional care for pregnancy with you every step of the way to find out more visit www.pregnacare.com.